Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Undercooked Analysis, the show where I have no idea how to open it ever at all. <laughs> I am uh, your host, David King. Normally, you'd probably expect me here with some of my other co-hosts, but they are all conspicuously absent. Instead, I, um, I bothered a comic artist I know and dragged him on here. So welcome our special guest to the show, Drew Rosh. Hello. Uh, thanks for <laughs> perfect. Yes, <laughs> it's what the it's what the audience wants. Uh, hi, hi. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drew, I I have to give Drew credit. He uh, told me he wasn't feeling super hot over the last few days. Was it a was it like a like a sore throat? It, it was a very gravelly, scratchy feeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I well, we we both did uh, two horror conventions back to back. We did uh, Midsummer Scream in Long Beach mm-hmm. and uh, Scare LA in, in Pasadena, and and it took a toll. There was a lot of screaming, all the screaming, in fact. Oh, okay. So so you'd think it was more screaming and less uh, con crud, or maybe a bit of both. Well, I'm actually pretty sure like one of those clown sliders just kind of crawled in my mouth and then was just kind of hanging out. And uh, those guys, you, you can't, okay. you can't give them an inch or they will get into all sorts of places, you know. It's I, kind of, kind of rude. It's very rude. I suddenly <clears> had this horrible image of you opening your mouth and seeing uh, Pennywise in there. You know, like <laughs> he looks in the grate in it, and you're like, "Hey, kid, we all float <laughs> down here." Yeah, except there's just. It, just some bad like metal new metal music from the year from circa 2000 oh and yeah oh yeah kind of like danced in there oh so it's not even it's not even like yeah i guess that makes sense slider slide it's like slider music huh yeah sliders like it when the bodies hit the floor i i noticed that at uh at (laughs) midsummer scream (laughs) yeah i was watching the slider show with a friend and i look over and go and i go really we're still we're still letting the bodies hit the floor. I, uh, our table was uh, mere feet from that, and it it happened at least three times a day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, it, you know, it's it's an error I I don't choose to uh, I don't choose to want to revisit. I completely understand that. I don't blame you. Um, if one interesting story I have from Midsummer Scream was that um, when I was waiting for um, to see the uh, or no this was yeah this was Midsummer Scream uh, no no because Wicked Lit performed at Scare LA I'm getting the two mixed together <laughs> well it did feel like one big convention it did you, especially because I I saw a lot of the same people you and uh, Jocelyn included so yeah so um, yeah but it was funny because I was waiting for um, the Wicked Lit show and every so often from the the uh, uh, haunt museum or the horror museum nearby, you would hear this, the ending strains of Hall of the Mountain King blaring out, <laughs> and you know, just give it every like five, ten, you know, five minutes or so, and suddenly, dun dun, dun dun, da 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 da, you know. They had uh, they had like live like acapella singers there. Did oh, they that? they did. Yeah, I missed that. They were neat. I love live acapella singers. I like conventions that come with their own like soundtrack. Mm-hmm. As long as it isn't uh, from 2000, the year 2000. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the challenge now is for the acapella group to sing "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor." 
<laughs> that so, would be perfect. Yeah. So before we uh, dive into our story, though, I think it might be good if people uh, who maybe didn't know who you are learned who you were and what you did. Sure. Uh, well, I am a cartoonist currently residing in Los Angeles. Uh, I am also a ghost for those that, of you that do not know. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So this, so this fits. I am currently haunting your airwaves. Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, it's not, it's not true that you're a no. ghost or it's not true that you're haunting <laughs> the airwaves. Uh, it's not true that I'm a ghost. Ah, uh, but you, you, you may be someday. I, I most likely will be. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a cartoonist. I draw mostly comics. Uh, I am probably most well known for providing the, uh, Burton-esque art for, uh, the sequel to, uh, the movie Edward Scissorhands in comic book format that was published last year. Um, that was from uh, IDW Publishing, and uh, I am currently uh, the artist and co-writer uh, with my wife, Jocelyn Gageway, uh, on My Blacks Don't Match, which is a webcomic, an ongoing webcomic, that uh, is about this small, sleepy town that suffers from the fear of Halloween. It's uh, called Salwinphobia. It's actually a real thing. Real, real, real disease. It's, that's... I, anyone who has that is that's it's really it's sad. Hor- it's horrible, and it's a horrible place to live, but very entertaining. I I, I got to admit, I'm a big fan of my blacks don't match. Oh, thank you. I've uh, ever since you uh, last time we ran into each other uh, was a few cons ago, but you handed me the card for it, and I picked it up and started reading it in the webcomic form, and I was like, this is great. So, and then the next time I saw you, I bought the first volume. Yeah, that is now in print. That, yes. That is- our, our first foray into self-publishing. I that's that's awesome, uh-huh. and I know it sounds like I'm doing a sales pitch here, my <laughs> good listeners. But trust me, I, I legitimately like this this comic. Uh, Drew and Jocelyn do a fantastic job putting this whole universe together. It's a it is a pretty miserable town. I would hate to live there, but at the same time, all the weird stuff that starts to like build up as the comic progresses, and I don't want to say too much about it, but it's it's satisfying. And if you love Halloween, if you love, like, the feel and aesthetic of Halloween, uh, I think you'll enjoy My Blackstone Match. Yeah, it's pretty much dripping with vintage Halloween. Gotta love that vintage Halloween. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been, uh, Drew, have have you ever been to uh, Not Scary Farm? Or have you been to Not Scary Farm? I have. I have. Uh, I guess it was, like, three years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, We went, and it was the year they brought back the Green Witch. Oh, good. So... So you got to go into Trick or Treat. I did, and I wanted to live there. It was actually funny. Like uh, I was driving the the, the scare actors nuts <laughs> because like I was frolicking with them, like uh-huh. and like uh, just giddy with glee at, at how awesome they were. And I think I was kind of like I think I was actually scaring them. <laughs> uh, and then like uh, we we went through uh, the the Trick or Treat haunt. Which, uh, to this day, is still one of my favorite haunted attractions uh, ever that I've ever been in. I mean, <laughs> I wanted to live there, and it's funny because like you go to Knott's Berry or Not Scary Farms, and it's that that conga line kind of mentality. Like you know, they you stand in line and they shuffle you through, and stuff happens around, and uh, I didn't want to leave. 
I kept oh, I... like like pulling my pulling my wife over saying, Oh look at look at all this. They got like a pile of pumpkins and then oh there's all this there's all this stuff and and like, you know, was, uh irritating people behind me because they had uh-huh. me. I completely share your sentiments because it's easily still like uh I, the my first year was probably um like two years ago, to be honest, I um, finally worked up the courage to go, and I had an absolute blast. And uh, Trick or Treat uh, was one of the first ones I did, and I, I fell in love with it almost instantly. It's the one maze there that actually feels like it captures the spirit of Halloween. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's got style from the jack-o'-lanterns all over the staircase to the, the fact that the monsters are all trick-or-treaters that the witch has lured into her house over the years. To, like, that one hallway that's covered in, like, dime store masks with, like, lights coming out of the eyes. Right, right, And yeah. then, like, at the end, you go in and there's, like, there's a some phonograph somewhere playing the skeleton in the closet. And I was yeah. like, ah! Yeah, it, it was pretty much perfect. Like, that was, that's, like, my ideal haunt. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, last year, uh, I had, uh, I, I am actually from uh, Philadelphia. Oh, uh, and Philadelphia, uh, during Halloween, um, has these hay rides, oh. which for people who don't know what a hay ride is, you <laughs> basically get in the back of a truck that's driven by a, tra- a tractor and there's like hay and, uh, they drive you through the, f- the field of some sort and there's spooky stuff that happens and it's neat and, it just it evokes that smell of fall. Oh yeah. Uh, you know everything is you know the leaves are crunchy. There's a there's a bonfire going. There's people serving apple cider, and it, it's awesome and it's amazing. Um, and when we moved to California, I was very sad because we don't have that here. We don't have fall here. Fall doesn't we, yeah, exist we don't in have California. Seasons right, right. <laughs> fall is is the the two weeks when it is not a hundred degrees uh, before winter happens. <sighs> Yeah, you know, it's very sad. Uh, but uh, there is the um, the hayride, the Halloween hayride uh, that L.A. has. The one in uh, Griffith Park? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and for a while, I mean, we lived in, we've lived in California for about uh, six years. And um, it's, you know, kind of like, oh, well, it's not going to be the same. You know, it's not fall and they don't actually have hay in California. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, so one last year uh, we decided we were just going to do it. Check it out, see what it's all about. And we went and it was awesome. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yes. I highly, I'm I'm not trying to sell people on this, but it's really, if you're in, if you're from LA uh, and, and you just, uh, just love Halloween. This is a haunt that really kind of gets it. Like it's just there's pumpkins and it it smells like fall. I'm sure it's all pumped fog, smelly <laughs> juice and uh, but it's still it smells like Halloween and it's great. Uh, but one of the uh, aside from the fact that the hayride goes through the abandoned uh, or close to the abandoned zoo uh, out there. For those of you who don't know, we have we actually have an abandoned zoo that you can yeah. visit in Griffith Park. Super creepy. Yeah. Uh, but and that was really cool, and they did a really nice job. But they uh, the last year they uh, decided to dive into the world of uh, walkthrough haunts. Oh. It was neat. They had uh, they had quite a few, but one of them was actually uh, called Trick or Treat. 
Ah. And I was very interested in this because they tried to emulate the concept of knocking on people's doors. <laughs> and you would say trick or treat and somebody like a thing would happen. Ooh. Uh, and there was like maybe like four, five, six doors. I don't remember. Uh, and you just kind of like go to each door, like as if you were going down the street. Uh, you knock on the door and something happens. And one of them, <laughs> it was so weird. Like the the front of it is like all decked out in like uh, there's like an American flag on the window and like all this weird Confederate stuff. And, oh boy. Uh, yeah, real terrifying. Actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I figure right? that's like the and, like one I would be the scared most scared approach. Yeah, that was like the mo- the scariest one. You know, the guys in the masks and everything. That's nothing. This this is gonna be terrifying. And we so we knock on the door and like this guy. I swear to God, was Danny Trejo? Huh? Comes out like he's not wearing a shirt. And he's just like this spouting nonsense. <laughs> oh my god, Danny Trejo's here. <laughs> That's horrifying. I don't know if it was actually Danny Trejo, but he's damn close. Dude, a Confederate machete would freak me out too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. I I have not done the the hayride yet, so um, I'm trying to expand my Halloween horizons uh, this year more and more. It's it's getting expensive to do everything that's in L.A. in Halloween. That's the problem. Yeah, I have yeah. to like pick and choose. Right, right. Um, yeah, there's so many good ones now, uh, and there's like a lot of like these kind of cool like they're called extreme haunts, but some of them are actually more theater than anything else. Right. Um, Delusion is fantastic. I've heard good things about Delusion. Uh, we did Illusion last year, Delu- or two years ago we did Delusion. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Um, this year we want to try uh, Creep LA, which seems like it's going to have like a cool like David Lynchy thing happening. Yeah, there's like there was a bunch of odd looking people who handed me a Creep uh, card at yeah, uh, that summer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they were they were interesting, and I, yeah, I got I definitely got a Lynch vibe from them. If there's a room, if there's a red room somewhere in there, I'm gonna flip. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> talking backwards. <laughs> you get a little man who dances and a giant. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope that happens. That's I hope so. Um, and I think it's appropriate because I wanted to preface this kind of talking about how we love haunted attractions and things like that, and and how we enjoy um the feel of Halloween because uh, the story we're going to be reading today is one that I know some people have suggested we read before. And a lot of people know it pretty well in the creepypasta community and it's called no end house. And uh, I have read this one before. I'm going to reserve any judgments I have about it until the end. Uh, Drew has not read this one before. Uh And so it'll be fun to see how, if what, what works and what doesn't. And if, you know, but again, not not giving my opinion here yet. Um, but um, there's there is a definite uh, tone to this one that just said, "Yeah, this is the one I got to get Drew to read when he comes <laughs> on my show." So um, I guess without further ado, and we are we are welcome to like break and go on tangents here, by the way, if we want to. That's the nature of the beast with this uh, this podcast. There's literally no plan except for reading the story. So. <laughs> so um i will i will get this started and we'll do it popcorn style so we're gonna uh read uh you know par- uh, a paragraph at a time and uh it looks like i get a really short one to start with <laughs> you you all set 
I'm ready. All right, let's do this. So here we go. No end house. Let me start by saying that Peter Terry was addicted to heroin. We were friends in college and continued to be after I graduated. Notice that I said I. He dropped out after two years of barely cutting it. After I moved out of the dorms and into a small apartment, I didn't see Peter as much. We would talk online every now and then. AIM was king in pre-Facebook years. There was a period where he wasn't online for about five weeks straight. I wasn't worried. He was a pretty notorious flake and drug addict, so I assumed he just stopped caring. Then one night, I saw him log on. Before I could initiate a conversation, he sent me a message. David. David. Oh, no, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) David, man, we need to talk. Sure, Drew, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently, uh, uh, Peter was... Addicted to heroin, which was a popular drug in college, I guess. I guess it was. Um, do we? Uh, I know this is right off the bat, but I actually think this has a decent um, start. I no reason for me to disbelieve what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Sets up okay. Um, that was when he told me about the, and notice this is in bold, No End House. It got that name because no one had ever reached the final exit. The rules were pretty simple and cliche. Reach the final room of the building, and you win $500. There were nine rooms in all. The house was located outside the city, roughly four miles from my house. Apparently, Peter had tried and failed. He was a heroin and who knows what the fuck addict, so I figured the drugs got the best of him, and he wigged out at a paper ghost or something. He told me it would be too much for anyone. That was unnatural. That it was unnatural, I should say. I didn't believe him. I told him I would check it out the next night, no matter how hard he tried to convince me otherwise. $500 sounded too good to be true. I had to go. I set out the following night. Dun, dun, dun. All right. So um, uh, I, I like how it opens. How does one become a who-knows-what-the-fuck addict? I don't know. Have you ever like, tried? That's a, yeah, I, I've never tried who-knows-what-the-fuck. <laughs> I, um, are there any listeners out there who have tried who knows what the fuck? Because uh, I, I don't know if it's addicting. I know, you know, it's like, you know, people say, oh, you you can't get addicted to weed. But I mean, some people <laughs> can get addicted to who knows what the fuck. Yeah, some people can get addicted to who knows what the fuck. I mean, I, I like how I like how the the narrator is really hammering the point home. Like we've had sort of three beats where like, no, seriously, Peter was a drug addict. Like, yeah. how much do I have to emphasize that Peter Terry was a drug addict? But, um, I mean... I hope that's never mentioned again. Did I mention Peter Terry was a drug addict? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we'll have to see how extreme this haunt is. Because, like, we were just talking about um, haunts that are get a little more... You know, they get, they get... It's not just the jump out and boo kind of thing. They, like, say, like, they either challenge you to do something or they subject you to, like, really weird stuff. You know, right. So, you know, could be something like that. I'm really just to, to sort of preface. I'm really bad at, at haunts because um, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to be scared. Like I want to uh, I want the the scare actors to feel good about themselves mm-hmm. after like a hard night of, uh, you know, jumping out and, and stuff. But um, and so, like, I try to act terrified uh, or at least jump. Or occasionally give them a high five, you know, good job. Yeah. 
you know, just kind of, it's good to be supportive. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am, uh, I am generally terrible at those things because I actually want to spend more time just looking at junk, like looking at set design. Like that's the stuff that kind of interests me. Dude, um, that's me too. Cause like you, you and I was going to say earlier about trick or treat. I was just like, can I just like stop and like look at right. every detail right. of this? And uh, yeah, I, so yeah. Anyway, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> off. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Let's... Um, and I like. And I was gonna say too. I'm, I'm the kind of person who like when I see um, when I see a character at a haunt, I will try to either play with them in a fun way, like roll with whatever they're doing, or I will if if they scare me, I'll I will jump and I will laugh and then I will laugh and like be like, dude, that was good. You know, mm-hmm. like oh man, and then I'll move on and they seem. Either way, they seem pretty happy with my presence, so that's good. So remember, kids, be be considerate to your monsters, okay? It's true. Yes, yeah. important safety tip. They work hard to uh, to immerse you in an environment mm-hmm. where you can be scared and also uh, delighted. Mm-hmm. So speaking of uh, environments where you could be scared and or delighted, I assume scared if this story is any good. Uh, when I arrived, I immediately noticed something strange about the building. Have you ever seen or read something that shouldn't be scary, but for some reason a chill crawls up your spine? I walked toward the building, and the feeling of uneasiness only intensified as I opened the front door. My heart slowed, and I let a relieved sigh leave me as I entered. The room looked like a normal hotel lobby decorated for Halloween. A sign was posted in place of a worker. It read, Room 1 this way. Eight more follow. Reach the end, and you win. I chuckled and made my way to the first door. See, I, they don't describe that that hallway. They don't need. To, I mean, that lobby in great detail. But part of me is already going. I would just picture like a like a something a la the uh, the Tower of Terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which sadly is going away. Don't remind um, me. <laughs> that's that's so, definitely sad. Um, the first area was almost laughable. The decor resembled the Halloween aisle of a Kmart, complete with sheet ghosts and animatronic zombies that gave a static growl when you passed by. At the the far end was an exit. It was the only door besides the one I entered through. I brushed through the fake spider webs and headed for the second room. I was greeted by fog as I opened the door to room two. The room definitely upped the ante in terms of technology. Not only was there a fog machine, but a bat hung from the ceiling and flew in a circle. Scary. (laughs) They seemed to have a Halloween soundtrack that one would find in a 99-cent store on loop somewhere in the room. I didn't see a stereo, but I guess they must have used a PA system. I stepped over a few toy rats that wheeled around and walked with a puffed chest across to the next area. You might want to get that looked at, dude. That chest puff. Puffed chest, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I reached for the doorknob and my heart sank to my knees. I did not want to open that door. A feeling of dread hit me so hard I could barely even think. Logic overtook me after a few terrified moments, and I shook it off and entered the next room. Room three is when things began to change. Now, do you think that's a believable reaction for the our protagonist? Puff chest? Well, maybe not puff chest, but the suddenly going to the next door and being like, oh, fuck, this next room is going to be terrifying. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, you, when you go to think, these kinds of things, you, you, you kind of anticipate a certain escalation. Right. You know, it, it's basic storytelling 101. Like, you know, things are going to get worse. That's true. 
That's true. I mean, it would I, be really it would be really terrible if like you went to a, a haunted house and like it kind of blew its ectoplasmic wad in like <laughs> the doorway, and then the rest of the house was just kind of like uh, empty. Yeah, it's like you walk in and like a a a corpse on a on a on a noose just falls from the ceiling right in front of you with a loud bang, and then the rest of the house is just. Well, it'd be like walking into the haunted mansion, and and all nine hundred and ninety nine ghosts are in the uh, the line to get in. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then you just get on the ride, and it's just nothing. It's just the house, and it's empty. There's no yeah. one there. Yeah. Actually, that would be pretty eerie in itself, though, wouldn't it? Just no. I mean, from a familiar. <laughs> like you were familiar... just blasted with uh, animatronic ghosts. Well, as right soon as at, you walk in, just right at the beginning, wow! And then, like you spend, if you've never been on it before, you spend the rest of the ride wondering what's going to jump out at you. Oh yeah, that would be terrifying. But then I think afterwards you'd feel a little gypped. Yeah, you probably would. But it's also like this is something that's happened. I've had um, nightmares where I've gone on the haunted mansion and something has fundamentally changed. And for for me, the the familiarity of the ride twisting around and becoming different in a dream actually makes it scarier. Like, I'll go on, and it'll be yeah. re- really eerily quiet and empty, and there'll be fog. I'll be like, oh, fuck, why did this change? What's going to happen? I don't know what to expect. Speaking of which, what do we expect from this next room? Let's find out. On the surface, we're in room three. On the surface, it looked like a normal room. There was a chair in the middle on a wood of the wood-paneled floor. A single lamp in the corner did a poor job of lighting the area, casting a few shadows across the floor and walls. That was the problem. Shadows. Plural. With the exception of the chairs, there were others. I had barely walked in the door, and I was already terrified. It was at that moment that I knew something wasn't right. I didn't even think as I automatically tried to open the door I came through. It was locked from the other side. That set me off. Was someone locking the doors as I progressed? There was no way. I would have heard them. Is it a mechanical lock that set off automatically? Maybe. But I was too scared to really think. I turned back to the room and the shadows were gone. The chair's shadow remained, but the others were gone. I slowly began to walk. I used to hallucinate when I was a kid, so I wrote off the shadows as a figment of my imagination. I began to feel better as I made my way to the halfway point of the room. I looked down as I took my steps, and that's when I saw it. Or didn't see it. My shadow wasn't there. I didn't have time to scream. I ran as fast as I could to the other door and flung myself without thinking into the room beyond. Ooh. Um, okay. That's that's kind of that's kind of creepy. Wait, his shadow vanished? His shadow vanished apparently. Okay. That's how do you get away How do you get away with that effect? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, they could just shut the lights off, well, then you wouldn't see your shadow. That's true. That's true. Although he uh, also, this kid hallucinated when he was younger. Okay. Are we sure that he is not addicted to what the fuck? <laughs> he could very easily be. How do we know that Peter Terry actually exists and he didn't just hallucinate Peter Terry into existence? <laughs> I think we've added a new layer to this, uh, this, the flavor of this creepypasta. Well, it's definitely something to keep in mind while we're making our way through. <laughs> we are, we are, undercooked analysis is after all, part of Midnight Marinara, and we do add extra flavor to everything we read. Uh, Taste of spooky. The fourth room was possibly the most disturbing. As I closed the door, all light seemed to be sucked out and put back into the previous room. I stood there, surrounded by darkness, not able to move. I'm not afraid of the dark, and never have been, 
But I was absolutely terrified. All sight had left me. I held my hand in front of my face, and if I didn't know what I was doing, I would never have been able to tell. Darkness doesn't describe it. I couldn't hear anything. It was dead silence. When you're in a soundproof room, you can still hear yourself breathing. You can hear yourself being alive. I couldn't. I began to fumble forward after a few moments, my rapidly beating heart the only thing I could feel. There was no door in sight. I wasn't even sure there was one this time. The silence was then broken by a low hum. Like that? I, would, I feel it'd be more like a... a yeah, I guess like that. Like a drone. <laughs> like more like a drone, yeah. Yeah, like but it's... A, like a trebly drone. Like a really, really bassy one. Yeah. 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 Oh, that actually is kind of... Like, that is actually... Uh, this is this can you is, add that can you add that like right now just oh i can you know what? i'm gonna run it under as we do this that'd be great yeah. i'm gonna i felt something behind me i spun around wildly but could barely even see my nose i knew it was there though regardless of how dark it was i knew something was there the hum grew louder closer it seemed to surround me but i knew whatever was causing the noises in front of me inching closer i took a step back I had never felt that kind of fear. I can't really describe true fear. I wasn't even scared I was going to die. I was scared of what the alternative was. I was afraid of what this thing had in store for me. Then the light flashed on for a second, and I saw it. Nothing. I saw nothing. And I know I saw nothing there. The room was again plunged into darkness, and the hum became a wild screech. I screamed in protest. I couldn't hear this goddamn sound for another minute. I ran backwards, away from the noise, and fumbled for the door handle. I turned and fell into room five. Hmm. Let's talk about room four for a second here. I don't, I, I you know, I just read this, and I, I actually have no idea what happened in room four. It kind of sounded like just... It, it, being stuck in the dark is terrifying. I mean... Oh, yeah. You know, without having any clue of what uh, what is in the room with you. And, right. Uh, I, I actually think a lot of uh, these, these new extreme haunts kind of play with that. Sensory deprivation seems to be a major theme with a lot of these, like, extreme haunts, you know? Right, right. Or, you know, you're, you're blindfolded, or you have a bag over your head, or you're you're taken into uh, a basement where there's no no light and you're it's very claustrophobic mm -hmm. um, and that's very terrifying it is um, but uh, but yeah this this I have no idea what's going on well I'm a little confused by the paragraph when he says when the lights flashed for a second and I saw it nothing I saw nothing and I knew I saw nothing there what does that mean like is nothing saw... a character did he yeah did, did he see the concept of nothing? Like, in that brief moment, could you, like, describe the room? Well, he like, saw nothing. But, like, or, but, but I'm... But does Was he, it, were his eyes closed? I don't know. Like, he saw, like, the lights flash and he realized he was standing in nothingness? I'm a little confused. But isn't nothingness, wouldn't it just... Would that be, like, a giant white room? But I, then, even then, a, a white room would have walls. That's true. I mean... So it wouldn't be completely nothing. Yeah. So, I'm... I'm, I don't know what this is supposed to dictate. Like, he, the light flashed, and he was like, and then I saw it. Oh, nothing. There was nothing there. Or if he's like, I saw nothing. Like, the, <laughs> it's the nothing from the never-ending story. He has an existential crisis. <laughs> well, maybe that's what room four is. 
room four is an existential crisis with a low hum. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that, isn't that always how it goes? It's a low hum, a flash of light with nothing, and then something screeching at you. That, yeah, that's exactly what existential crisis is. Sure. <laughs> um, all right, before I describe room five, you have to understand something. I am not a drug addict. Well, that solved, solved that mystery. Well, I don't know. That remains to be seen, unreliable narrator. <laughs> I have had no history of drug abuse or any sort of psychosis short of childhood hallucinations. Okay, so that wasn't just a throwaway line. I mentioned earlier, and those were only when I was really tired or just waking up. I entered the no-end house with a clear head. After falling in from the previous room, my view of room five was from my back, looking up at the ceiling. What I saw didn't scare me. It simply surprised me. Trees had grown into the room and towered above my head. The ceilings in this room were taller than the others, which made me think I was in the center of the house. I got up off the floor, dusted myself, and took a look around. It was definitely the biggest room of them all. I couldn't even see the door from where I was. Various brush and trees must have blocked my line of sight with the exit. Up to this point, I figured the rooms were going to get scarier, but this this was a paradise compared to the last room. I also assumed whatever was in room four stayed back there. I was incredibly wrong. As I made my way deeper into the room, I began to hear what one would hear if they were in a forest. Chirping bugs and the occasional flap of birds seemed to be my only company in this room. That was the thing that bothered me the most. I heard the bugs and other animals, but I didn't see any of them. I began to wonder how big this house was. From the outside, when I first walked up to it, it looked like a regular house. It was definitely on the bigger side, but this was almost a full forest in here. The canopy covered my view of the ceiling, but I assumed it was still there, however high it was. I couldn't see any walls, either. The only way I knew I was still inside was that the floor matched the other rooms, the standard dark wood paneling. I would go into this room and be like, "Ah, the theming is exquisite. (laughs) I mean, right? Can you, like... I can kind of picture this, you know? Yeah, but then this is another one of those rooms where, like, I would be really awful at it because I would just want to explore. Yeah. I'm just like saying, I... like, it would. he's saying it was a paradise compared to the last rooms. Like, sensory deprivation room? No. Room that has a lot of in- intrinsic detail? Oh, I'll stay here for a while. Don't mind me. Yeah. I want to see how much attention to detail you put in here. Um, actually, you know what it reminds me of, too? There was an old uh, Looney Tunes cartoon I remember about this guy who owned this huge mansion and there was a part where he's like oh the butler comes in and he's like oh, we you're to hunt today yes yeah? so i have arranged something in the forest room sir and like every room in this big mansion was like themed and they like actually turned a thing on that let water run down the stairs and he rode a canoe down the stairs and went into the forest room bringing back the haunted mansion um when i was a kid uh riding the haunted mansion for the first time um I always thought that the cemetery was inside the house. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, because, like, you know, you go from the attic, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then you you see the ballroom, and all of a sudden you're outside. That's a good point. It's like, well, wait a minute. How did that happen? Did we just, like, you know, go out the wall? What's going on? <laughs> but, yeah. So. Interesting. Uh, an interior graveyard. Sure. I would have one in my house. Um, yeah, same here. <laughs> my my mind always went to, um, okay, somehow 
like in the logistics of my mind, it was like, okay, you're coming out of the house in this scene and you're going, you know how there's the berm right immediately behind the, the mansion outside? Your doom buggy is going out some back window and then going over that berm and into a graveyard behind there. That was when I was really little, and I was just like, I mean, I, I mean, logically, I thought, okay, I know this is part of it, but like, how would that work? So when I would stand outside and waiting in line, I used to imagine if I could just walk over that hill, I'd be in the graveyard scene. <laughs> right. It'd be pretty cool. Um, I kept walking, hoping that the next tree I passed would reveal the door. After a few moments of walking, I felt a mosquito fly onto my arm. I shook it off and kept going. A second later, I felt about ten more land on my skin at different places. I felt them crawl up and down my arms and legs, and a few made their way across my face. I flailed wildly to get them all off, but they just kept crawling. I looked down and let out a muffled scream. More of a whimper, to be honest. I didn't see a single bug. Not one bug was on me, but I could feel them crawl. I heard them fly by my face and sting my skin, but I couldn't see a single one. I dropped to the ground and began to roll wildly. I was desperate. I hated bugs, especially ones I couldn't see or touch. But these bugs could touch me, and they were everywhere. I began to crawl. I had no idea where I was going. The entrance was nowhere in sight, and I still hadn't even seen the exit. So I just crawled, my skin wriggling with the presence of those phantom bugs. After what seemed like hours, I found the door. I grabbed the nearest tree and propped myself up, mindlessly slapping my arms and legs to no avail. I tried to run, but I couldn't. My body was exhausted from crawling and dealing with whatever it was on me. I took a few shaky steps to the door, grabbing each tree on the way for support. Oof. This the, it's the ghosts of every mosquito you've ever swatted. <laughs> <laughs> or childhood hallucinations coming back. Hmm? Uh, it was only a few feet away when I heard it. The low hum from before. It was coming from the next room, and it was deeper. I could almost feel it inside my body, like when you stand next to an amp at a concert. The feeling of the bugs on me lessened as the hum grew louder. As I placed my hand on the doorknob, the bugs were completely gone, but I couldn't bring myself to turn the knob. I knew that if I let go, the bugs would return, and there was no way I would make it back to room four. I just stood there, my head pressed against the door, marked six, and my hand shakily grasping the knob. The hum was so loud, I couldn't even hear myself pretend to think. There was nothing I could do but move on. Room 6 was next, and room 6 was hell. Well, that escalated quickly. Like, like literally. Like, hi, hell, what you doing here, man? <laughs> I closed the door behind me, my eyes held shut and my ears ringing. The hum was surrounding me. As the door clicked into place, the hum was gone. I opened my eyes and, surprise, and the door I had shut was gone. Just a wall now. I looked around in shock. The room was identical to room three, the same chair and lamp, but with the correct amount of shadows this time. The only real difference was that there was no exit door, and the one I came in through or <clears throat> was gone. As I said before, I had no previous issues in terms of mental instability, but at that moment I felt into what I now know was insanity. I didn't scream, I didn't make a sound. Insanity? Really? Uh, okay. He, All right. He, he went from the existential crisis room to the insanity room. <laughs> you know, um, our our narrator seems to really. I mean, I'm not exact. I'm not sure how to feel because it seems like, oh, this was absolutely the worst, and I'm 
it, I, I don't I don't know if it's melodramatic, but I I mean looking back on it, I guess he can kind of say, well, I felt like this, but I don't know. All I can say is so far I am not impressed by the uh, the no end room. I, I I feel like they have they have set these rooms up just not very well. <laughs> You, you know, it's like you go through, like, uh, the, the new Shatter Room, and it's, like, Existential Crisis Room, and then Bug Room, and then Hell. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> I, this I mean, Hell would be a really banal place like this, wouldn't it? But Hell... So Hell is the Insanity Room. So why is Hell the Insanity Room? Because yeah. it just you just sit in there, and it's... If it was really an Insanity Room, there would be, like, really boring elevator music... Or, right. Or you would, or or you'd be sitting in there, like, okay, well, maybe this isn't so bad, and the elevator music would just turn into "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" <laughs> forever and ever. Actually, you touched on something. Uh, I, a cool idea for like a, a really terrifying haunt would be, like, you set up like that. You're going into this building, and you have to get it into an elevator, uh-huh. and the elevator just stops, and you are stuck in the elevator. For Ooh. an undisclosed amount of time. Ooh. And then when the doors open, it's done. That's but, it. You're just. But like this. nothing should, nothing scary should ha- like happen. Maybe add like some some creaking, or uh, or something like that. But that would be genuinely terrifying. Oh my gosh, it would be. Wow. Right? We might have to. We might have to develop this. <laughs> yeah. See what we could do there. Um, did, no, so you, uh, you, you just read, or I just read the, or you just read the last one, right? Yes. <clears throat> At first, I scratched softly. The wall was tough, but I knew the door was there somewhere. I just knew it was. I scratched at where the doorknob was. I claw, clawed at the wall frantically with both hands, my nails being filed down to the skin against the wood. I fell silently to my knees, the only sound of the room, the incessant scratching against the wall. I knew it was there. The door was there. I knew it was just there. I knew if I could just get past that, this wall. Are you all right? I'm fine. I just really needed to file my nails. I, <laughs> uh, um, I jumped off the ground and spun in one motion. I leaned against the wall behind me and saw that it was that what it was that spoke to me. To this day, I regret ever turning around. Front loading! <laughs> there was a little girl. She was wearing a soft white dress that went down to her ankles. She had long blonde hair to the middle of her back and white skin and blue eyes. Oh shit, it's an Aryan. <laughs> she was the most frightening thing I had ever seen. And I know that nothing in my life will ever be as unnerving as what I saw in her. While looking at her, I saw something else. Where she stood, I saw what looked like a man's body, only larger than normal and covered in hair. He was naked from head to toe, but his head was not human and his toes were hooves. Was it the devil? But that moment might as well have been. The form had the head of a ram and the snout of a wolf. That's a really weird cosplay that this little girl has. Wait, so <laughs> it, <laughs> it's it's so it's a girl, but then it's a man. But nope, nope, it's it's an animal thing. I like. Is he seeing 
All like, is there, like, things. some sort of, like, uh, like, is there, like, a fade in between each of these, these, uh, manifestations, or, is it, I mean... Is it, like... Does he not know what a little girl looks like? Is he just... Like, is it... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of it almost cinematically, you know? Right. Like, are we superimposing the image of this man, ram, wolf, snout... It sounds very, it sounds very something like from the seventies, like a seventies uh, Hammer film. Oh yeah, or like one of those drug PSAs. Yeah. Are you addicted to whatever the <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> whatever the fuck. I mean, whatever the fuck, yeah. or something like that. I can't. What in the was it? What in the fuck? I don't remember. Oh, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> but if you if you are, this may be the side effects you get. This whole thing is a is a is a PSA. It just hit me. This whole thing's a PSA for what? Why not hey, do drugs? Spoilers! Spoilers! I haven't read this yet. Sorry, sorry. Um, let's 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 see if that rings true. It was horrifying, and it was synonymous with the little girl in front of me. They were the same form. Okay, this might be kind of answering her question. I can't really describe it, but I saw them at the same time. They shared the same spot in that room, but it was like looking at two separate dimensions. When I saw the girl, I saw the form. And when I saw the form, I saw the girl. I couldn't speak. I could barely even see. My mind was revolting against what it was attempting to what it was attempting to process. I had been scared before in my life, and I had been more scared than when I was trapped in the fourth room. But that was before room six. I just stood there, staring at whatever it was that spoke to me. There was no exit. I was trapped here with it. And then it spoke again. David... You should have listened. Yeah, maybe I should have. So is it? I guess it's like a, like a Pepper's Ghost illusion. <laughs> I guess it kind of is. I mean, are we are we looking? I mean, at at this point, have we established that something genuinely supernatural is going on with this place, or is it just a really good special effect? <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Oh, um, so, I mean, I'll have to ask the haunt designers for this one. So how did you get the existential idea of nothing to appear before someone? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. Uh, did you want to take this paragraph since that last sure. one was really short? <clears throat> when it spoke, I heard the words of the little girl, but the other form spoke through my mind in a voice I won't attempt to describe. There was no other sound. The voice just kept repeating that sentence over and over and over in my mind. I agreed. I didn't know what to do. I was slipping into madness. It couldn't take my eyes off of what was in front of me. I dropped to the floor. I thought I had passed out, but the room wouldn't let me. I just wanted it to end. I was on my side, my eyes wide open, and from the form staring down at me. Scurrying across the floor in front of me was one of the battery-powered rats from the second room. Oh, no! How did that get in there? That's what I'm wondering. There's no doors. Yeah, or or windows. Maybe there's like a, <laughs> a little mouse hole. <laughs> there's the, the door. Mm -hmm. There it is. Just ask Jerry for help. Mm. Uh, the house was toying with me. Oh, it was a toy rat. Clearly. Yeah. But for some reason, seeing that rat pulled my mind back to what from whatever depths it was headed, and I looked around the room. Like I just, I just had this. There's something I, I I gotta pause here. There's something really funny to me about this horrifying thing that this guy's experiencing, which sounds like horrifying, and I'm still trying to figure out how to picture it, you know, cinematically. Mm -hmm. But then, like, he's lying on the floor, and all of a sudden, this little rat comes in, and I just picture him looking at it and just going like, ha, 
<laughs> Immersion broken. Oh. You know? Uh, well, did, the whole thing started out with, like, some sheet ghosts and a, a little bat. Squeak, squeak. On, yeah. Strobe lights and, like, a so. 90s haunted house tape. Like, it's true. I guess... They're, they're, I guess uh, the first two rooms are a little were are, are a little bit just like yeah we're not front loading anything here these rooms are are terrible could you imagine if you walked in went in the first room and went nope and then left yeah that was the scary one uh huh no I don't like zombies I don't like um you, you know what what's that sound effect you hear a lot in like uh with a lot of toys that it's it's like the 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 jigsaw laugh oh that like. <laughs> Yeah, that's sort of like a monkey laughed. Yeah, yeah. I just picture that in that mm-hmm. first room. Like, that and, uh, you know, that... <laughs> but, but, but yeah, this having this toy rat show up is actually really funny. You should, you should release your own uh, CD of Halloween sound effects. Ooh, you know... You're, you're very good at that. Thank you. I might I might try that. I mean, you'll put together a sound... Like, some sound... Just a soundscape. <laughs> just you making spooky noises. Yeah, just me doing, just me doing noises with with my mouth. Mouth noises. Mouth and noises. Mouth mouth noise. That's a Neil Cicerega album. I can't do that. <laughs> uh, I was. It's mouth noises. I was getting out of there. I was determined to get out of that house and live and never think about this place again. I knew this room was hell, and I wasn't ready to take up a residency. How do you know this room is hell? In hell, there are little girls that are also ram-headed snout wolf people. Okay, anyway. At first, it was just my eyes that moved. I searched the walls for any kind of opening. The room wasn't that big, so it didn't take me long to soak up the entire layout. The demon still taunted me, the voice growing louder as the form stayed rooted where it stood. I placed my hand on the floor, lifted myself up to all four, and turned to scan the wall behind me. Then I saw something I couldn't believe. The form was now right at my back, whispering into my mind how I shouldn't have come. I felt its breath on the back of my neck, but I refused to turn around. A large rectangle was scratched into the wood, with a small dent chipped away in the center of it. Right in front of my eyes, I saw the large seven... I had mindlessly etched into the wall. I knew what it was. Room 7 was just beyond that wall, where room 5 was moments ago. I don't know how I had done it. Maybe it was just my state of mind at the time. But I had created the door. I knew I had. In my madness, I had scratched into the wall what I needed the most, an exit to the next room. Room 7 was close. I knew the demon was right behind me, but for some reason it couldn't touch me. I closed my eyes and placed both hands on the large seven in front of me. I pushed. I pushed as hard as I could. The demon was now screaming in my ear. It told me I was never leaving. It told me that this was the end and I wasn't going to die. I was going to live there in room six with it. I wasn't. I pushed and screamed at the top of my lungs. I knew I was going to push through the wall eventually. Unfortunately, he didn't see that the sign on the door was marked pole. So, <laughs> <laughs> the team is just like, Ugh. that's actually what he was screaming. Pole. It says pole, you idiot. <laughs> and the little girl's just like, um, 
it, it says Paul. And the <laughs> demon's saying it and like, Oh, it says Paul. You bloody twit! It says... Now it's an old screechy man. It's, now it, it's, it's one of the... It, it turns into every Monty Python character imaginable. Yes. You know, it says Paul, you nitwit! You know, something like that. <laughs> um, I clenched my eyes shut and screamed. And the demon was gone. Oh, that was easy. I was left in silence. I turned around slowly and was greeted by the room as it was when I entered. Just a chair and a lamp. I couldn't believe it, but I didn't have time to. Well, I turned back to the seven and jumped back slightly. What I saw was a door. It wasn't the one I had scratched in, but a regular door with a large seven on it. My whole body was shaking. It took me a while to turn the knob. I just stood there for a while, staring at the door. I couldn't stay in room six. I couldn't. But if this was in the, but if this was only room six, I can't. I couldn't imagine what seven had in store. I must have stood there for an hour, just staring at the seven. Finally, with a deep breath, I twisted the knob and opened the door to room seven. I stumbled through the door, mentally exhausted and physically weak. The door behind me closed, and I realized where I was. It's outside. Not outside like room 5, but actually outside. My eyes stung. I wanted to cry. I fell to my knees and tried, but I couldn't. I was finally out of that hell. I didn't even care about the prize that was promised. I turned and saw that the door I just went through was the entrance. I walked to my car and drove home, thinking of how a nice shower sounded. <laughs> we, we, we know what's actually happening, right? I do. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. He's smelly. He's going to go home. Take yeah. He's, oh, yeah. There we go. Clearly. Yeah. He needs to. He needs to go. He needs to go. Do wash himself off. No wonder nothing in that room, in a lot of the rooms, wanted to hang out with him. Or yeah. no, they did. How much do you want to bet, bet the demon was also screaming? And you smell bad. <laughs> Very insulting. Uh, you have no friends. Oh. You're probably addicted to what in the whatever what in the fuck. <laughs> As I I pulled up to my house, I felt uneasy. The joy of leaving No End House had faded, and dread was slowly building in my stomach. I shook it off as residual from the house and made my way to the front door. I entered and immediately went up to my room. There on my bed was my cat, Baskerville. He was the first living thing I had seen all night, and I reached out to pet him. He hissed and swiped at my hand. I recoiled in shock, as he had never acted like that before. I thought, whatever, he's an old cat. (laughs) I jumped in the shower and got ready for what I was expecting to be a sleepless night. After my shower, I went to the kitchen to make something to eat. I descended the stairs and turned into the family room. What I saw would be forever burned into my mind, however. My parents were lying on the ground, naked, covered in blood. They were mutilated to near unidentifiable states. Their limbs were removed and placed next to their bodies, and their heads were placed on their chests facing me. The most unsettling part was their expressions. They were smiling, as though they were happy to see me. I vomited and sobbed there in the family room. I didn't know what had happened. They didn't even live with me at the time. It was a mess. Then I saw it. A door that was never there before. A door with a large H scrawled on it in blood. I'm not sure how I feel about this part. <laughs> Visually, that's very creepy. It is very creepy. Um, 
But I mean, I mean, I guess when you think about it, that would be that would be pretty. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty horrifying. And actually, the story's been pretty good about not throwing out the blood and guts card, you know. So I I think knowing that this is an escalation of what's happening with the house, like um, it works. I'm more disappointed about the fact that he has a cat named Baskerville. <laughs> Does that bother you? Well, it was the Hound of Baskerville. Although it could be clever. It's like, no, my cat acts more like a dog anyway. I'm going to call him Baskerville. Sure. Whatever. He's an old cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bet he's looking at this and going, oh, man, you guys, I just took a shower. Now I'm going to smell like parent Vomit. Blood, vomit. Parent blood? blood? <laughs> parent, parent blood smells different than normal blood? Well, his, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> Could, it could. I think it would have been just like a cool twist if like he came downstairs and his parents were just like having sex on the floor. Oh, uh, that would be even worse though, wouldn't it? It would be because they don't live with him. So that would mean his parents went to his house to have sex on his floor. Oh, and he, he has to step past them in order to get to the door marked. Yeah. Uh, and they're just smiling. They both look at him and go, hi, <laughs> don't mind us. Having relations. We're just, you know, hey, don't look so shocked. We had to conceive you somehow. Oh, my God. I was still in the house. I was standing in my family room, but I was in room seven. The faces of my parents smiled wider as I realized this. They weren't my parents. They couldn't be, but they looked exactly like them. The door mark eight was across the room, behind the mutilated bodies in front of me. I knew I had to move on, but at, at that moment, I gave up. Smiling faces tore into my mind. They grounded me where I stood. I vomited again and nearly collapsed. Then the hum returned. It was louder than ever and it filled the house and shook the walls. The hum compelled me to walk back upstairs to take another shower because I was covered in vomit. This whole scene kind of reminds me of The Gate. Oh, have you ever, have yeah. you ever seen The Gate? Uh, yes, Stephen I have. Dorff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like. Uh, you know, they, they yeah. raise, they open the gate to hell. Yeah. And, like, um, Stephen Dorff's parents, who, for whatever reason, I keep thinking was, uh, not Stephen Dorff, or, uh, not his parents, but Stephen Dorff was played by Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when I saw it, I was very young. Mm-hmm. But there's this scene where, like, so, uh, brief backstory, uh, his, his Stephen Dorff's parents uh, go away for the weekend, and he's left with his, his best friend and his sister to babysit him because he's really young. And, um, right. and uh, so they open the gate, and all these really wacky, crazy things happen, including some really neat uh, zombie effects uh, right. and stop-motion stuff. Um, they didn't but, like them like that anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. But anyway, there's this, there's this scene... Where they feel like they've closed the gate and everything is okay, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, the parents come home and they're they're outside, and so the kids run out and they're like, "Oh, so happy to see them!" And the, the parents are like, they look parentally enough, but something is just off, and right. uh, like the dad grabs Stephen Dorff and just screams, "You've been..." Bad. Oh, oh yeah. Dorf, like he's like ah, and he's flailing and something. He like rips the dad's face off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was like twelve when I saw that. It was a life changing experience, I'm sure. I have quite a few. Most of them involve scary movies. 
that makes sense. You know, it's that's the thing about um like the eras you grow up in, especially like I know you're you're a decent amount older than me, so you got to you got to see a lot more movies in an era when like I think it either people weren't as worried about what kids were watching or people were gave kids more credit. I don't know. I mean, like the. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've I've grown up with my fair share of '80s movies as well. I grew up down the street from a one dollar video, and right. my parents were pretty good at letting me, you know, pick up what I wanted to pick up. So, but I mean, I, mean, I, I grew up on healthy doses of Tales from the Crypt. There you go. <laughs> so, well, you're all set there. But yeah, I that this kind of <clears throat> this kind of has that. I mean, it's a little more overt, but it definitely has that. Oh man. When they're, they're now that now this thing's fucking with my parents, you know, right? And that's that that's that's pretty unsettling in itself, you know. Like if you put yourself in that situation, you'd be like, oh man, you'd probably be flip freaking out too, unless you really don't like your parents. <laughs> I began to walk slowly, making my way closer to the door and the bodies. I could barely stand, let alone walk. And the closer I got to my parents, the closer I came to suicide. Whoa, whoa. Okay, that. Mm... There's some strong words right there. Yeah, come on. Go take a shower. You'll feel better. You'll feel better. Take a nap. Have a lie down. <laughs> go go pet your cat. Yeah. Go pet Baskerville. The walls were now shaking so hard, it seemed as though they were going to crumble. But still, the faces smiled at me. As I inched closer, their eyes followed me. I was now between the two bodies, a few feet away from the door. This, <laughs> The dismembered hands... <laughs> The dismembered hands, sorry, uh, crawled their way across the carpet towards me, all while the faces continued to stare. New terror washed over me, and I walked faster. I didn't want to hear them speak. I didn't want the voices to match those of my parents. They began to open their mouths, and the hands were inches from my feet. In a dash of desperation, I lunged toward the door, threw it open, and slammed it behind me. Room 8. Room 8! Well, room 7 was uh, was a trip and a half. Uh, I don't know. I once the hands start crawling and the I mean, there's I I I I like horror that's a little bit. I mean, grotesque is good. I like horror that's a little more subtle though, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is like as soon as that I can't take it. I'm I'm like I find it more hilarious than terrifying with that when their hands start crawling toward him all a thing. Like, that's all I can right. think of. Right. That's yeah. That's what I was. I thinking. figured we were laughing for the same reason. I was done. Just, I'm just done. <laughs> I'm out. After what I had just experienced, I knew there wasn't anything else in, else this fucking house could throw at me that I couldn't live through. There was nothing short of the fires of hell that I wasn't ready for. But you've already that, been to hell. That was room six. That was room six. I mean, pff, now you can handle anything. Unfortunately, I underestimated the abilities of No End House. Unfortunately, things are got more disturbing, more terrifying, and more unspeakable in room eight. Then don't tell us, like, to be prepared. Just... Describe room eight. I still have trouble believing what I saw in room eight. Again, the room was a carbon copy of rooms three and six, but sitting in the usually empty chair was a man. After a few seconds of disbelief, my mind finally accepted the fact that the man sitting in the chair was me, not someone who looked like me. It was David Williams. I walked closer. I had to get a better look, even though I was sure of it. He looked up at me, and I noticed tears in his eyes. Please, please, don't do it. Please don't hurt me. What? 
I asked. Who are you? I'm not going to hurt you. Yes, you are. He was sobbing now. You're, you're going to hurt me. And I don't want you to. He sat in the chair with his legs up and began rocking back and forth. He was actually pretty pathetic looking, especially since he was me. Identical in every way. This is actually kind of This is actually pretty eerie. A little bit. Yeah. Listen, who are you? I was only. I was now only a few feet from my doppelganger. It was the weirdest experience yet, standing there talking to myself. I wasn't scared, but I would be soon. Why are you? You're. You're going to hurt me. And you're going to hurt me if you want to leave. You're going to hurt me. Why are you saying this? Just calm down, all right? Let's try and figure this. And then I saw it. The David sitting down was wearing the same clothes as me, except for a small red patch on his shirt embroidered with the number nine. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. Please, don't. You're going to hurt me. My eyes didn't leave that small number on his chest. I knew exactly what it was. The first few doors were plain and simple, but after a while they got a little more ambiguous. Seven was scratched into the wall, but by my own hands. Eight was marked in blood above the bodies of my parents. But nine? This number was on a person. A living person. Worse still, it was on a person that looked exactly like me. Hmm. That's I... great. Huh? That's creepy. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, the uh, no end house has regained its uh, its creepy points again. <laughs> it's creepy pasta points. It's creepy pasta points. I'm keeping um, the Are thing. Are you keeping I, a score? I, I actually in my head I'm tallying it. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of it, we're gonna give it this story a freshness rating. This is always this generally what I do with uh, on undercooked analysis is we okay. uh, we give the stories a freshness rating by the end. Okay. Did David? I had to ask. Yes, you're you're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. He continued to sob and rock. He answered to David. He was me right down to the voice. But that nine. I paced around for a few minutes while he sobbed in his chair. The room had no door and similarly to the room six, the door I came through was gone. For some reason, I assumed that scratching would get me nowhere this time. I studied the walls and floor around the chair sticking my hand underneath to see if anything was below. Unfortunately, there was. Below the chair was a knife. Attached was a tag that read, To David, from management. Ooh! (laughs) The feeling in my stomach as I read that tag was something sinister. I wanted to throw up, and the last thing I wanted to do was remove that knife from under the chair. How can he? There's nothing in his stomach. He threw up twice earlier. The other David was still sobbing uncontrollably. My mind was spinning into an attic of unanswerable questions. Who put this here? And how did they get my name? Not to mention the fact that as I knelt on the cold wood floor, I also sat in that chair, sobbing in protest of being hurt by myself. It was all too much to process. The house and the management had been playing with me this whole time. My thoughts for some reason turned to Peter. And whether or not he got this far, if he did, if he met a Peter Terry sobbing in this very chair, rocking back and forth, I shook those thoughts out of my head. They didn't matter. I took the knife from under the chair, and immediately the other David went quiet. Oh, boy. David. Uh, 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to keep going? Uh, if you if if you want to, why okay. don't you you take these next three and I'll I'll okay. hit the next couple. David, he said in my voice, "What do you think you're going to do?" I lifted myself from the ground and clenched the knife in my hand. I'm going to get out of here. This is a Q uh, Q fanfare. Yeah. Right here. Damn. Uh, there was something I was gonna. There's something. Something clicked with me. I can't remember what it was though. Something about. Uh. Oh man, I lost it. I, there was something I was gonna say and I lost it. I'm sure it'll come back to me if it's important. Uh, here we go. Maybe your doppelganger will remind you. Oh yeah, that's true. My doppelganger. Um. Oh, he's over there. Hey, hey, David. No, he just he just gave me the finger and walked away. <laughs> okay. Uh, David was still sitting in the chair, though he was very calm now. He looked at me with a slight grin. I couldn't tell if he was going to laugh or strangle me. Slowly, he got up from the chair and stood facing me. It was uncanny. His height and even the way he stood matched mine. I felt the rubber hilt of the knife in my hand and gripped it tighter. I don't know what I was planning on doing with it, but I had a feeling I was going to need it. Now, his voice was slightly deeper than my own. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to keep you here. I didn't respond. I just lunged and tackled him to the ground. I had mounted him and looked down. Knife poised and ready. He looked up at me, terrified. It was like I was looking in a mirror. Then the hum returned, low and distant, though I still felt it deep in my body. David looked up at me as I looked down at myself. The hum was getting louder, and I felt something inside me snap. With one motion, I slammed the knife into the patch on his chest and ripped down. Blackness fell on the room, and I was falling. Falling. Yes, I'm falling. All right. Well, that was, um, wow. Okay. Points. I like that. I like that bit. Uh, and that hum is the major antagonist of this story now, isn't it? I hope you're going to put a lot of hum in this story. Hum. Hum. What if it's, what if it's not even like a, like a droning hum? It's just a voice going, hum. Like, so, like, like some blustery British colonel, colonial guy, is slowly coming toward it, going, hum, 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 hum. Uh, no, I'll, I, there's going to be a lot of humming in here, I oh, promise that. Yeah. The darkness around me was like nothing I had experienced up to that point. Room 4 was dark, but it didn't come close to what was completely engulfing me. I wasn't even sure if I was falling after a while. I felt weightless, covered in dark. Then a deep sadness came over me. I felt lost, depressed, and suicidal. Again? The sight of my parents entered my mind. Oh, I remember what I was going to say now. I'm sorry I say that right after I say the sight of my parents entered my mind. But going back to that bit where we were kind of like, oh, about mounting yourself. Like, is that that? It's that question you ask. Like, if you went back in time and met yourself and, like, is it? And never mind. <laughs> never mind. Not going there. Change your mind. Um, I knew it wasn't real, but I had seen it with in, and I had seen it, and the mind has trouble differentiating between what is real and what isn't. Does it? The sadness only deepened. I was in room nine for what seemed like days, the final room, 
And that's exactly what it was. The end. No end house had an end and I had reached it. At that moment, I gave up. I knew I would be in that in-between state forever, accompanied by nothing but darkness. Not even the hum was there to keep me sane. I had lost all senses. I couldn't feel myself. Couldn't hear anything. Sight was completely useless here. I searched for a taste in my mouth and found nothing. I felt disembodied and completely lost. I knew where I was. This was hell. No, hell was room six. Hell was room six. Room nine was hell. No, room six was uh, whatever. Room, it's important that room six is hell because it's got six in the right. number. Well, maybe nine is hell because it's upside down. Oh. It's like reverse hell. Oh. Upside down hell. Don't put room six and room nine together. Yeah, no. Well, then it happened. A light. One of those stereotypical lights at the end of the tunnel. That's a train. <laughs> I felt ground up. <laughs> I felt ground... That's Mr. Toad's wild ride. Yeah. Wait, hey. <laughs> uh, I felt ground come up from below me, and I was standing. After a moment or two of gathering my thoughts and senses, I slowly walked toward that light. As I approached the light, it took form. It was a vertical slit down the side of an unmarked door. I slowly walked through the door and found myself back where I started, the lobby of No End House. It was exactly how I left it, still empty, still decorated with childish Halloween decorations. After everything that had happened that night, I was still wary of where I was. After a few moments of normalcy, I looked around the place, trying to find something different, anything different. On the desk was a plain white envelope with my name handwritten on it. Immensely curious, yet still cautious, I mustered up the courage to open the envelope. Inside was a letter. Again, handwritten. David Williams, congratulations. You have made it to the end of No End House. (laughs) Please accept this prize as a token of great achievement. Yours forever, management. With the letter were five $100 bills. Cha-ching! I couldn't stop laughing. I laughed for what seemed like hours. I laughed as I walked out to my car and laughed as I drove home. I laughed as I pulled into my driveway. I laughed as I opened my front door to my house and laughed as I saw the small ten etched into the wood. Dun, dun, dun. Mr. Bones says the house never ends. Credited to Brian Russell. Well. <laughs> <sighs> so that that was, uh, you know, it's kind of weird because like I, we were watching or I'm sorry, we were, we were reading this this last scene and I my brain, my primitive horror themed brain, uh, obsessed brain, I should say, um, was drawn immediately to uh William Castle's house on Haunted Hill. Oh my God! Uh, I you hadn't. Know, yeah. But uh, yeah, it it just it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Uh, but there was also um, the remake. Oh, uh, the, directed the, the the one directed by William uh, Malone. Uh, 
Is that the one where the the house is more like an insane asylum? Like yeah, an asylum? yeah. Uh, it was haunted by Jeffrey Combs's ghost. I remember that. Yeah, and had Ty Diggs in it. Mm-hmm. Right. I uh, I distinctly remember that movie being enjoyable, unlike the remake of another movie that often gets mixed up with the House on Haunted Hill, which is just straight up The Haunting, the Robert Weiss movie. Right, right. And that remake was terrible. That uh, that was the one with um, Clive uh, Olsen, or no? Uh, it, it had uh, oh, yeah. Owen Wilson. Oh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, mm-hmm. and uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's it's bad. <laughs> I think the only thing this story really needed was uh, Vincent Price coming out with like a puppet skeleton. Oh my gosh! And then pushing someone into a, a pit of acid. Yeah, yeah, that's literally one of my favorite moments in cinematic history. Same, you know, when I was a kid, um, my my dad and I had a bond. We'd like to watch old cheesy. Uh, uh, monster movies, a lot of the old black and white monster movies, mm-hmm. but like like the the more fun and tongue like the William Castle kind of ones. And uh, I remember, very distinctly remember how much I loved that scene in House on Haunted Hill when the the puppet skeleton came out. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> Not to mention his disembodied head floating out of the you know house to tell us what's going on. I think everything should be hosted by uh, Vincent Price's disembodied head. You know, they should have given his head the Walt Disney treatment and frozen it so it could continue to entertain us for years to come. I agree. Yeah. So um, now that being said, so so what just the idea of of the what 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 reminded you of uh, that in particular, just the the strangeness of it or the kind of like, like uh, probably the money and then like the, this guy is really not going to get the money. Yeah. Um, like, that's obviously clear. It, it's because it's the no end house. Right. It's like um, it's like imagining that um, instead of Vincent Price, just, you know, because in, in House on Haunted Hill, it was all revealed to be, um, you know, Vincent Price. Vincent Price literally pulling puppet strings. But oh, his but his his wife also doing that. Right. Um, but. Then at the end, they're like, but the house could actually be haunted. Right. Uh, but here, it's like, it's Vincent Price, but Vincent Price is an all-powerful, unknowable, supernatural force. We're just a dick. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, you know, I, what would actually, you know, it's funny, what really bothers me about this, this, this uh, protagonist is that he's an idiot. He is an idiot. This is the second time that this has happened, where he goes to his house and it's still the no end house. Like how? That's true. How is he, he fell telling... for it twice? Exactly. How is he telling us this story? By the way, I don't know. Like, how did he get to a place where he could tell this story if he's never going to get out of the no end house? I guess that is that is. Uh... I, I I don't know. Maybe it's a creepy pasta for another day. Maybe <laughs> um, I know for a fact I actually that... isn't. I always thought that was like the purpose of creepy pastas. Was that like you know somebody was telling you this story uh, that happened to them, and like you know you survived it and and lived to tell the tale. Right. I find the a lot of the most efficient creepy pastas are the one where this where. They're largely mundane. A weird thing happens. 
for the sake of it just being weird. It doesn't have a major narrative uh, purpose. It's just a strange thing that happens. And then it gives it that sort of level of believability. Right. Yeah, this kind of comes across as sort of like this guy got lost at Universal Studios. <laughs> Horror Nights and uh, the park closed while he was still in the haunt. And, and yeah, he's just stuck. You know what? You know what? This is this is actually because they they just announced that one of the Halloween Horror Nights mazes this year is is going to be American Horror Story. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So he this is basically No End House is basically the guy being lost in American Horror Story. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like. It's got that kind of level. Two of hells. It has two hells. Well, you know uh, the se- that uh, apparently they they wanted to ump up the ante with the hell sequel. Because Room 6 was like their first hell and it was well received. Like, no, we can make it better. Let's have a hell that's literally, you're just... It was the hell reboot. Falling through void forever. Yeah, hell hell to void hell. Void hell. You'll be null and void. I I, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But, um, I mean... uh, I mean, in terms of haunted attractions, I don't think the management really understands that they need to keep... I guess there's that whole business philosophy that when you bring people, get them in the front door and make sure they don't leave out the back door. Keep them, keep them in your business, you know, stuff like that. So I guess this is just the ultimate business model. What room was the back door? There is no back door. That's the thing. That's what they've devised. There is no back door. Mm. They, they've literally just like, okay, we get them in and we have to make sure they don't leave. So instead of enticing them with a mean sales pitch to keep them staying and wanting to continue taking our courses or something along those lines. It's just like, let's just make it so they can never leave. That's a, that's a good idea. Solid business plan. I'd say so. So, um, uh, let's talk then about the story overall. I mean, we're kind of, we, that's kind of what we're doing, but did, did, did it work? For you as as a, a story um not really <laughs> i i <laughs> uh i feel like it had a lot of uh a lot of good parts mm-hmm. to it uh the um the having to stab yourself i actually thought uh you know he was really going to have to like like cut himself open uh-huh and then like pull like you know retract his rib cage and there'd be like a door in there that that would be pretty creepy uh i thought that's where that was going it didn't uh-huh. um uh there there was some 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 uh tense some past tense issues with the story where mm-hmm. you you weren't sure if he was telling you the story or experiencing the story mm-hmm. um uh, narratively speaking it, a little clunky but Overall, um, I, I would I would give it uh, out of five spooky noises. Oh, I'm sorry, out of five low hums, <laughs> I, I I would give it uh, I would give it a solid three. That's that's pretty generous, I gotta say. I give it a, a solid three hums. So so firmly in the. Firmly in the middle, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, my thought is that, like you, I kind of agree. Certain scenes, I think, are effective. Uh, I think the narrator sometimes is is trying a little too hard to get the point of house. No, this was scary. 
I was scared, I was terrified, and then it feel, almost feels like it starts to get kind of forced, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, um, the, 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 the problem this story runs into is it's trying to up the ante with each room, which is a neat idea, but I almost feel like it, it, at some places it escalates almost too quickly. It also really didn't. Like, there's, there's like, weird, like, back steps. Yeah, that's true. Like, it didn't really truly escalate you. Uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're in a room of existential nothingness, and then there's a bug room. I think kind of, and then hell. I think I think if you had shuffled the room order around a little bit, mm-hmm. it might have actually been better. I agree. Like room three should have been the bug room. Like he, like think of it this way. Like he also one, he like apparently kept going into the like the same room that was just slightly tweaked. Yeah, that's true. It was the uh, the 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 room. The third no, it was the third room that was the that was the shadowless room. Right. Room and then four. he goes. Then he goes into another room, and it's the same room except there's shadows now. Yeah, and that's the room where he runs into uh, the 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 girl form thing. Right. Demon. Yeah, that's some cost cost uh, cutting bullshit, if you ask me. From from a haunt business standpoint. <laughs> that is true. You know. It's... Maybe they have maybe maybe it's not really endless. They're just really good at making it feel like like they're <clears throat> while you're in one room dealing with a problem, uh, there are people in like you know um, state you know stage handler black uh, moving around in the background and rearranging walls. This is more like uh, instead of like n- uh, no end house. This is more like no end like bungalow that you'd find in Burbank, <laughs> where there's like three rooms, a kitchen, and a bathroom. Right. Maybe maybe this is in Burbank. I mean, we don't know where this story actually happens. You, you're right. Oh. Um, but considering there are so many other haunts in the general L.A. area, like, why would you go to this one? I wouldn't. I, I would have read reviews and, and, and gotten, you know, people telling... I, the $500 is uh, tempting. Uh-huh. You know, that's a fair amount of money. But again, from a poor business sense... I would look at it, you know, that I'm not paying for anything. So, and I'm getting $500. Where, where are you getting your money from? That's true. And actually, furthermore, if they're bringing people into the house for free and then never letting them leave, whoever the management is. Right. What, what is the end game there? Yeah. Do you, you're not getting paid no no matter what. I mean, you don't have to pay out the $500 ever because no one's ever going to reach the end. Also, also, okay. Here, here's the other thing. Um, did would, would, he's led our narrator's led to this house by by Peter, drug addict, and he didn't make it all the way through the house. How do we know that that was actually Peter? Now, because if Peter went in, actually went in there, well, he certainly doesn't have five hundred dollars. That's true, but he also, but I, but as we know because of the story, you can't backtrack. Right. I mean, it seems like you do. So how did he leave the house? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. It's a very good question. Did he really leave the house? Or was that See, something that's, else? That's the problem with stories like this, where they have, like, this kind of weird, open, ambiguous ending that isn't very logical at all. <laughs> You're just kind of left with, like, but that doesn't, okay, make it, any sense? I mean, I, I like it in in theory 
Like it's mm-hmm. a neat it's a neat idea. I think the execution could have used some work. Right, but you you have to have uh, you, you can't leave it as just this, you know. Okay, so obviously he's stuck in the no end house, right? Clearly, right. Uh, but there are uh, no reasons for him to be there. No, like it's just oh, okay. Well, I felt like getting five hundred dollars. That's one thing, but then like. Uh, the incentive to go there was kind of weird anyway because of what we just discussed. And for that matter, again, with the creepypasta, the classic creepypasta idea, it's that someone says, well, that was just a weird thing that happened to me. You know, that's generally what happens. And this has has that idea that I'm still a little confused how he was able to tell the story at all in the first person. Let me start out by saying... uh, Peter Terry was on drugs or was a drug addict. Right. Like I said, there, yeah, there's some narrative, some narrative time problems. And, and I get that it's like maybe trying to not hint at that. And, and, you know, some stories front load really hard. What I give this story props for is it doesn't do that so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it's like, it's like trying to make, make sure you don't get the idea that this is going to be, Oh, this, that our narrator in the end is trapped in there forever. But, so I get that they're maybe trying to keep it ambiguous, but yeah, the timing part, the time aspect of it just doesn't work. Yeah. This feels sort of like one of the uh, the least, the, the lesser successful Tales from the Crypt episodes uh, <laughs> on HBO. I feel like it it should be ending with like a, a Crypt Keeper type character coming up saying something like, and that's a real hags to riches story kitties <laughs> i could yeah, totally was, see that that was a really poor crypt keeper uh oh I, I i doubt i could do much better so no. well boys and ghouls yeah that's way better than that look at oh, that thank you <laughs> better than i have life. i have that kind of voice it's yeah high you do uh, yeah you do yeah but uh but yeah so ultimately um i think no end house i think i give it about the same like in my freshness rating thing, it is it's it's spaghetti like good old plain spaghetti with a little bit of marinara sauce, but not much else. Like it's not. I don't think it's a bad story, but I, it, there's a lot of places where it could really be better. There are I'll, I'll, there's a lot of criticisms I can make for it, but the parts that work are still work. If the room order had been rearranged a little bit, if we had d- dealt with some of this narrative oddities. Um, I think it could have been a much more effective story. As such, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's okay. And I think we're we're both kind of uh, in accord about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think that about wraps things up for this particular episode of Undercooked Analysis, which was way more formal in some ways. I think it's it's different when it's all... I'm used to having these days two or three people on the show at once. Mm-hmm. So... It's actually been kind of a nice change of pace. <laughs> well, I'm actually wearing pants, so oh. that adds to the uh, I don't, you know, being. No, no uh, wonder this is so classy. Right. Normally, Are you, you well, you're wearing a tie, right? Yeah, I'm, of course I'm wearing Clearly, a tie. Clearly, sure. No pants, but a tie. <laughs> Gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put some pants on. I will. Um, and while I'm doing that, maybe you want to remind people, I mean, you gave people your plugs earlier, but where can, uh, where can people find your work, Drew? Yeah, uh, proof of my, uh, artistic existence, uh, 
can be found uh, on the internet. It's uh, my website. Uh, it's Uh I am also on uh, every social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, also at uh, Drew underscore Roush. Um, please come follow me. I'm slightly entertaining. <laughs> He's got a killer mohawk. I mean, that helps, right? Yes. I, I like to mention that to people. Yeah, he's got a killer mohawk. That should be incentive enough. Incentive enough. My hair. Come for the mohawk. Stay for the fantastic art. Yeah. I'm putting that on my business card. Do it. <laughs> and then give me... Slightly, some credit. Some credit. That's some. all I need. Or, you know, maybe maybe just come on my show again sometime. Sure. It was great. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Thank you. You're welcome. And mm-hmm. until, until next time, uh, say goodnight, Drew. Goodnight, Drew. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.